Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share their insights with other leaders and others who want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hey, guys. Hey there. Hey, Carlos. Happy Black Friday. Happy Black <laughs> Friday. And we have a special guest today. We have Monique Allen. Hello, Monique. Hey there. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. So I know these two guys where they are. So I think that Howard is finally enjoying a little bit of snow. Do you got a little bit of snow, Howard? Uh, I got a little bit of snow right after our last podcast, actually. It snowed like Monday night or Tuesday morning. And okay. we got, I don't know, six or eight inches and it's pretty much gone. I'm Paul, Wait. you got any? So Monique and I live five minutes apart uh, and we've had rain for the last several days. We had this big bunch of snow that we talked about last pod and then it's, mine's all gone here, uh, but it was just rain, rain, rain the entire time. All gone here, but there was two feet of it on uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. Yep. So yep. there was a lot. Yep. And we, my dog, my dog submarines, the vast majority of that, to, even through the walks, we did a 45 minute walk of him coming back with entirely snow through his That's entire body. Nice. He might as well just had a bath. <laughs> so we're honored that you're here with us, Monique. So give us a little bit for our audience, uh, a little bit of your background, your experience. Uh, where in the world are you? I know that a lot of people know where Paul is, but they're probably not connected. So tell us a little bit where you are and a little bit of what you do on a day to day. So I am in the in the world. I'm in a little town called Georgetown, Ontario, which is about an hour outside to the, the west of Toronto, northwest of Toronto, where, uh, as we sort of say here, we're just above Highway 7. And that's meaningful for our listeners in the region to know it's like a whole other climate. We get two feet of snow when in Toronto they, you know, only get six inches or maybe uh, maybe even less than that. Um, so I am right now at Omer's, which is uh, one of the, the large Canadian pension plans um, focused on Ontario municipal workers. And uh, in that, at Omer's, I lead our data and technology team. So that's the, the team of tech that uh, thinks about all of our enterprise technology, our investment technology, and supports our pension team with their technologies that support our members and pension administration. But before that, um, I worked at uh, a couple other companies, some of them small, uh, some Canadian companies, some of them larger. So I started my career at Procter & Gamble in tech and then moved to HP from there and held some global roles where I had teams of people that I interacted with all over the place and then uh, some smaller Canadian-focused roles after that. And I'd like to add that uh, Monique lives in the only valley in hundreds of miles in our general area. Uh, and of course, once the polar ice melts, uh, it'll be just like uh, when the dam breaks in Evan Almighty, right? It'll all, it'll all come in and Monique's whole town will be underwater. That's, that's the assumption going forward. I think I call it 10 years from now. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that I'm loving that outlook from you, Paul, but I, I think it's one you're really wrong about. <laughs> Well, I'm up on the escarpment, so I've got, I'll, I'll be looking down upon everybody in the valley. Yeah, so if, if you see Paul kind of wandering through the valley wearing long robes and having suddenly grown a, a large beard, um, make sure he's not building an ark because it might be time to move. 
Right. <laughs> Something's coming. So from home products to printers to pensions. Now you have work and we all have worked with different teams, but let's let's dive a little bit with all these changes that we see, we see people everywhere. What of a federated leadership model or an idea of how to lead people across different geographies, different areas? Um, what have you seen that have been happening across your career changes? Um, the floor is yours. So, I mean, the, the thing that knits all of those together is technology, obviously, right? So it's been in those companies I've been in, in tech roles. But, you know, this is a lot easier to do than it was 20 years ago when we didn't have video and all we had was telephone conferencing and delays in sending large presentations over email that we could <laughs> you know, refer people to. I'm on slide three now. Now I flipped to slide four. So it's certainly a lot easier to share and interact this way that, than it was in the past. But, um, you know, and I think that the, the biggest learning for me in all of these environments is that you gotta, you've got to get to know people and that just never changes. So it doesn't matter if you see them face to face or if you're working with them across the globe that, you know, if you're not getting to know the people that you're working with and what makes them passionate, what they love, what's local to them, um, you miss that human connection. And if you don't have that human connection, then it's, it's hard to have a, a work connection. And I think the really interesting thing that I see now is, you know, we're all on the same screen right now. I have, I actually have no idea if you are where you say you are, or if you're somewhere else, or you're <laughs> right around the corner from me. So it's, uh, you know, as in, as Paul's case, it, but, you know, maybe he really is where his background shows that's, that he is. Blue Mountain. <laughs> and he's not there. So I guess that my, my point is in terms of what's changed, surely what's changed is uh, the technologies that have, have allowed us to so seamlessly connect now that we're just not there 20 years ago. But even with the tech, if we had great tech, if you're not making a connection to the people, then it's, you know, you, you lose the power of having that connection. I don't know, what do you guys think? It's funny, I had a pretty serious disagreement with somebody today. <laughs> and it, it was an online conversation. We we're having a, you know, a video chat. He was in uh, uh, UK, you know, I was at home um, and he was talking about how leadership hasn't changed. It's kind of the same as it was a year ago. Um, and he thinks it's going to continue on in the same pattern. And I was completely on the other side of that story. I, I think it's changed dramatically. In fact, I said, you know, the, the managers who were excellent at managing by walking around, right, going from cubicle to cubicle, spending 10 minutes, making a decision, maybe coming together at lunch and sitting down, having a coffee. That is very, very different then this technology that's in front of us. Technology isn't great in that we can see each other and work together, communicate, much more difficult to create. 
much more difficult to create some sort of personal experience, right? I, you know, I can, I can't shake your hand. I can't get in within two feet of you. We can't, we can't whisper, right? We can't make fun of the guy beside you. Like none of that's true when we have this formality of technology in many ways. Uh, we kind of think that we should get dressed and we should, you know, we should do our hair. All of these things are true. And therefore the personal relationships aren't as, um, you know, aren't as deep as they used to be and therefore leading people has changed dramatically too maybe potentially even the we have a less respect or less you know a personal impact uh when we have this technology between us like howard what do you, what do you think technology is super sterile no matter what we yeah. do yes right and so i think it's more than just i can't we can't you know, be within two feet, we can't touch. It's the sterility of having to be here, right? Um, a one-on-one -on -one should be a, as casual as we can make it so that the words are what carries the impact, not the visual. Um, and, and I think one of the challenges with technology is it's never going to be kind of a casual conversation. Hey, let's have a one-on-one. -on -one. Oh crap, what did I do? Right. right. And while that kind of exists, it's really hard to be casual when there's no like there's no casual opening to tech to a technology-based conversation right it's just bing the lights are on we're all live yay i hope this is going to go well yeah there's Versus, no running into you know, each other of, there's no hallway right. conversations <laughs> right right i can't bump into you and go oh hey you did a great job on that thing no it's got to be all right well let's get together and talk okay cool are we going to talk about something I, there's a I, bit more schedule or... right you've got to right. you've got to make yeah. time to bump into each other but the flip side of it is, and I'm curious to hear if you've, if you've encountered this, but I, I almost think our conversations have become far more personal, right? We've let, it, we've let the whole world into our homes and we've, we've started to learn things about ourselves that, or each other that um, give a different connection that we wouldn't have brought into the office, right? So now I can see if somebody has a cat that's constantly jumping into their lap or children that are running around in the background and you know the odd person that pops in from time to time or people pass packing through the passing through the background if they are in a way it's it's almost opened the door to have more interesting personal conversations where I can ask about the background that Paul's sharing and what great trip that was that he took or um, what art is on the back of somebody's wall if they're sharing that and what they're interested in so so in a way it almost opens the door to have a more personal conversation that was hard to have in the office I think it. I think it gives you more prompts to the personality of the person, right? Okay. To, to to kind of dig into that. But I don't know that it makes the conversation more in, intimate. I think is the word that I that that should be used rather than personal, right? We do. A, we have a lot of intimate conversations in the office. We have a lot of intimate conversations in person. And while we may be able to get personal and may may maybe even understand the personalities of the employees better, kind of to your point with with I do get a kind of a three-dimensional view of you rather than a two-dimensional view. Um, I would say, well, kind of two things, right? The first is um, you're the only one that has an actual background. Like your background is your actual background. <laughs> the rest of us are all faking it, right? So um, well, in fact, that is Paul's vacation spot. Um, yeah. And he's been there a very long time based on how long that picture's been up. <laughs> many um, many a Monday. Right, right. I don't live in a gothic library and I have tried and that is not Carlos's house. At least I don't believe that to be Carlos's house. 
<laughs> it's an interesting observation, right? That's uh, and so why did why are the three of you? Why do you have virtual backgrounds on right now? And I'm the only one that you can actually see into my home. You know, it, that's Be, because all I have behind me is a white wall. That's an interesting. I thing. moved my office, and it's boring. This is why I have a virtual background. <laughs> I have a production studio here and a big screen screen behind me. So look at this. So we have a different perspective and it looked like from a gender perspective, it's look as that there could be a, a more connection versus some of us that could see it in a different perspective. And like you just pointed, Howard, we have decided to put something that is showing like something of our personality versus Monique that is looking to, they're coming into my house. Let me invite them into my house so they can see a little bit of a difference. An interesting perspective from a leadership standpoint, looking at, at, at something different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so Monique, while you're leading your teams, you must have one-on-ones with, with certainly your direct leadership and I assume others beyond that. Yeah, yeah, I do skip levels all the time. Percentage-wise, what are the backgrounds? Percentage-wise, is it usually the home? Yeah, I think yeah. we're uh, we're probably 75-25, I'd say, okay. in terms of home versus backgrounds. Um, but it, it it started that way, it was probably 100% because early days in operating this in this style. So I'm going back to March, right? Early right. days in March. Um, the uh, not We didn't have a consistent set of tools that had great backgrounds. So mm -hmm. it was one of the choices that we made at OMERS was to invite everybody to use video. And so by default, we all just turned our videos on and used the opportunity to ensure that we were connecting. And then over time, different features, I mean, sure there was always backgrounds that you could put, but we actually did use it. I was being a bit, you know, quite purposeful in saying, and using that as an example is, it did give us the opportunity to make sure that we could stay connected to people when we knew we weren't going to be back in the office for a while. And my, my point was that in, in sharing that and having the conversation started, you're right, it's maybe not as intimate, but it's a great place that you can start a conversation and feel now that you have the next, that as the conversation ensues, that it becomes a bit more personal and intimate because you've, you've started with something that was about them. So now if you take that all, you know, take it back to where we started the, the conversation and working in a federated model, working effectively when you have global teams is um, if it is just transactional, it doesn't feel great. But if it feels like you're, you're interacting with someone who's interested in you and you're doing interesting work together, then that's a, that's a, a game changer. Now, that said, that's the conversation starter. I do think that, uh, I, I think that um, it takes a lot more energy and it takes a lot more planning. Mm -hmm. I think to work remotely or to work in disparate teams or to, to stretch that around the globe, because you do need to have uh, a bit more deliberate attention to focus conversations like goals and objectives and results and, and having agendas together and materials that you can share that do take a bit more energy to put together than when you just bump into somebody in the hallway and can have a casual conversation. At least that's been my experience. And what do you guys mm -hmm. think? No, I agree. It has to be a lot more like the, the, the role of management has to go from some percentage of passive 
active to 100% active, right? You can no longer rely on, oh, hey, I ran into this person, therefore I'm going to take advantage of the moment. You don't have any of those anymore, right? Um, and, and one of the things that Paul and I've talked about a lot is one of the, the main values that high-level leaders should have looked for in COVID is identifying those that you've appointed as leaders that maybe need a little bit of tuning up. Right. Maybe need a little bit more extra mentoring, a little bit of extra help because the dynamics of the job have changed. And it's really, you know, it's one thing to be an individual contributor and go, um, I'm simply contributing from a new location with a new kind of desk layout. Yeah. Right. Maybe I don't have the same, the same monitor I had in the office. Maybe I don't have the same desk I had in, uh, in the office or the same chair. And so I have to kind of get used to, to, to my new kind of comfort cave, as it were. Um, but for management, it's a wholly different thing because the job is so significantly different, right? Um, humans are really, really good at, at kind of, you know, the passive components of interaction. We're really, really poor at the active pieces of it. It's not how humans were designed, right? We, 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 we're designed, we've evolved from living in tribes where everybody you knew, you saw. And if you didn't see them, you questioned why you didn't see them. Right. And, and while society has changed, uh, you've got 400,000 years of human evolution to fight against. And we could kind of make it work when we were in the office because we saw at least enough of the team that we stayed connected, even if it was a federated, even if it was a global team. Now you're disconnected from everyone. So everything must be active. <clears throat> and you don't even get the passive reminders, right? You don't what even do you get think the... the challenges are going to be, right? I mean, think forward three months, six months, 12 months, and now we have, like, you know, a whole world population that's used to working in a different work style. And some of us are going to start to return to the office at different paces than others. And, and we're going to go from sort of this grand leveler of having this work style where we're all we're all virtual we're all remote to mixed work styles in that hybrid sense we're now where some people are going to be able to see each other and have that dynamic and interact with others that are that are not there what do you what do you think is going to you know work in that or be challenging that we need to think about as leaders and equipping our our workforce to be able to work in that new hybrid Wait, and when, like, do you think it's ever going to go away? Do you, do you think that we're, we've created a new norm that will gravitate to more than we did before? It, it's absolutely a new norm. A absolutely will be mixed. In fact, some industries will be 80-20, some will be 20-80, right? And it, there are certainly um, different parts of the world. Uh, so uh, Eastern Hemisphere and Western Hemisphere will have different mixes. In fact, I have a lot of productivity conversations between those hemispheres where Eastern Hemisphere, especially like in India, are upset in many ways that most of the people are working at home and they want people to come back to the office because they believe that productivity is being negatively impacted versus the Western hemisphere actually sees it as an opposite, right? There's positive in value, both in reduction of office space and therefore I'm freeing up money and my talent pool is growing to be beyond the, the city to which I have an office in, right? So you're, you're seeing this imbalance even sort of culturally um, and I think if, if I were to narrow it down to something really simple, like in an office, um, the leadership style of having an open door policy simply can't exist. That passive, as, as Howard was going to describe it, style 
can't exist. You can't be a passive leader in a in a world where a good portion of your communication looks like this. You can't just be online at all times and have it over here and hope somebody comes into the office and talks to you. It's, it's almost impossible to lead like that. Therefore, right. you have to be far more active than when you need to. Insisting on one-on-ones, you know, showing up on time on those one-on-ones, right? These are, these are very important because I'm going to perceive every minute that you're not there as, as something that I'm doing wrong as the as the mentee versus the mentor, right? I'm going to take everything personal. Every minute will be a personal impact to me. And I've got to think about how that, that's going to be interacting. Now, Howard, uh, um, Howard, and I think most of the global leaders that I've talked to has had some advantage over the last couple of years because you've had nobody local, right? You, like Howard, where you had 30 people in 17 different cities around the world, right? It was like, like you effectively started out not having any local teams and therefore you had to have led in a very virtual federated world and therefore COVID didn't really affect the general working style, right? With the exception of like a good portion of our time was traveling, meeting those people in person in their city, which of course we couldn't do anymore. I, I would say it, it actually, COVID improved it from my perspective, mm. right? Because it, it, it really went from um, being the oddity, right? Having a fully federated, fully globalized team where, where you really couldn't regularly handshake anyone, couldn't regularly be in the room with anyone. Um, and when you were in the room, it was a special occasion right. to now this is the way everyone works. And so it's no longer the oddball. It's, it's you know, you know, and so... Well, while I may have had a leg up at the beginning, um, one of the things that I think is really, really important and, and incredibly critical is no matter what your model becomes, pause for a good while and take a breath and accept that good and bad have been learned in COVID, have been learned in this change, and really carry that back to whatever your new model is going to be. Hmm. Even if you go back to 100% in person, which I, I really hope nobody does, um, really take a minute and go, hey, what did I learn about myself? What did I learn about my team? What did I learn about my style? What did I learn? Um, where are our failings? And how do I create a new set of KPIs? How do I create a new set of rules? How do I create a new set of, of preferential policies to say, hey, one of the things we learned was, and I love one-on-one, so I'm going to use that as an example, is we really need to be a whole lot more proactive in our one-on-ones. And one-on-ones need to become a core part of leadership. Therefore, we're going to maintain those in the office. Even if you run into the person 12 times in the office, you still must have a, a one-on-ones on X or Y schedule, right? Once a week, once a month, once every other week, whatever it happens to be. But I also think it's really important too to understand the difference between leadership and management, right? A leader looks to the past and says, how do we alter the future to better align with our goals? A manager simply, a manager executes policy. Right? Mm -hmm. And right now is a really good time to really be both. Right? How do I look to, again, what we've learned? And frankly, if you haven't changed your KPIs yet, you're, you, you need to. Right? The KPIs we had in the office were really probably KPIs we inherited or found someplace else. Right? Very few of us are truly lucky enough to, to create our KPIs from scratch. But dispersing the team, federating the team, should really have had us looking at thing is going, these KPIs don't work. This KPI is all wrong. This makes no sense, right? And really have you looking at how do I define KPIs and not just, you probably shouldn't even have one set of KPIs for the whole team. 
right? Especially when you've got layers in between, it should probably be, here's the set of KPIs for my direct reports. Here's the set of KPIs for individual contributors. Here's set of, you know what I mean? And really start looking at that. And then, man, I desperately hope we look at how we use space. Because the fact is space was something that we also inherited from 1955. <laughs> it really hadn't changed. If you went to an office, the office didn't look really that much different. We didn't really use it that much different. We tried a couple of failed experiments in open office design, but that surprise, surprise, turns out everybody hates and drops productivity. Um, but the reality is we don't actually need to use space that way. And what COVID should have taught us is space is the place where you collaborate. Mm -hmm. space is the place where you get intimate. So if all we're really going to do is divide ourselves into a bunch of cubicles, stay home. Right. right? So can we then say, let's collab, let's figure out how collaboration ideally should work and ensure that we've got those things set for maybe one or two days a week rather than five days a week. Right. Can we then get the best of both worlds? Because I think the possibility is right there. Right? Can we say, hey, these teams come in Tuesday, Wednesday, we schedule for no more than 30% or 50% of the day having meetings so that they can collaborate amongst themselves, right? So you can get kind of these, these impromptu standups between people um, and the rest of the time go home and we'll bring another team in for two days. Then we'll bring another team in, you know what I mean? And we can kind of overlap without even having to put a whole lot of effort into it. We could have the exact same number of people in the office at a, third, a half or a third of the space. And, and you know what, I, I hear mostly, you know, positive stories of this federated leadership or federated working style, but I haven't heard rarely, if any, any of the, uh, the more challenging aspects of leadership. So how has been providing and giving feedback, either positive or critical? Is that being done in the same way, in the same manner, with the same uh, courtesy, with the same emotion, with the same impact? this way versus the in-person process we would have done. Like Monique, have you had any sort of recent examples? And we don't need names, but recent examples of positive feedback or critical feedback that you've had to give realistically this way. And yeah, was it accepted in the same way it would have before? Yeah, well, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes. And part of it is based on my own leadership style, right? So I, I started this sharing with you my early days at Procter & Gamble and HP. I was in the same situation where I, I led a team out of Toronto that didn't exist here, right? It was around the world. It was in Costa Rica and the Philippines and in, in the US. And, and I didn't have a single employee in the same uh, region that or the same city that I was in. So I think it, it lends up my leadership style is always one where I've had to be thinking about that. But what I've seen that has been really interesting and has had more of an impact than I expected was the ability to augment virtual channels with text. So, you know, recently and, and more inc increasingly, I'm in meetings on Teams or on Zoom or on WebEx and the chat's also going. So we're seeing a different kind of interaction where people are giving thumbs up or applause or building on messages in the chat channel or being supportive of somebody's response and being able to add into that. That's a really great idea. I really love that. So well said. And those kinds of things you couldn't do in a physical sense without feeling like you were interrupting, right? Like how many thumbs up did we give when we were sitting around a boardroom table, <laughs> right? Or or mimicking applause in the background when someone, we didn't do that. But now we, we almost have a way that we can um, 
do that in, a, in and have some fun with it. Now, granted, I'm going to say it's a bit generational, right? I'm seeing my younger employees really embrace that really quickly and like to have multiple modes of communication. So mm-hmm. virtual meetings with them are a lot of fun because they're really interactive in a different way. But we're learning that. We're learning that behavior. It's spilling into some of our, our other meetings as well. So I actually have found it's been easy to give that positive and to start to build a culture around positive momentum and in the moment having reactions. We're all kind of trained now, right? Like we like things when we see them and and having those incorporating reactions into uh, a virtual context is, is, has been helpful. It's definitely more challenging if it's constructive. Mm. And, and that's where I think uh, I, I have had to give people um, some constructive feedback over the last six months, nine months. And that's where I need to lean on those management techniques that as a manager, as a leader, that you need to be thoughtful about how do you deliver constructive feedback? And I would argue, is it really different when you're in virtual or in physical, if you're giving it in a constructive way, if you're thinking about what's meaningful, if you're including an example, if you're being helpful and bring that constructive feedback in with a positive intention. Uh, but I do think it needs to be, um, perhaps we, it, it's because of all of those elements that we've talked about in not having the same intimacy in an environment, in physical, you really need to be thoughtful as a leader on how you uh, deliver that feedback, your word choices, the environment, the conversation, how you, how you go from a constructive conversation, how do you exit that part of the conversation in a way that's engaging with the person that you're in that, that conversation with? And that, that I think is definitely more difficult when you're in a virtual environment, but it, it, the principles I think should be the same. And if you're gonna have a great constructive conversation with someone in person, maybe it'll make those even better conversations when we do go back to face-to-face because we'll have practiced some of the, the prep for the, the hard conversations that will make them, um, that will prep for them as well in the, in the physical world is maybe more than we did before. How about on the example side? Because like a lot of the leadership feedback that I would have both received and provided, positive or negative, has been based on an observation, right? I saw you in a meeting, I saw you in this interaction, very rarely is it, you know, a single circumstance, we've had one meeting like this, or a single document that I looked at, it's observations over time. But if we're interacting less, right, because we're working by ourselves more, does that giving us less opportunities to look for those, uh, those, you know, feedback examples? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And I think then um, it, it, the examples probably come to uh, circumstance. I spend a lot of time with my leaders online. So right. I can't think of examples where I don't have that same interaction. If anything, I think we have more intentional interaction than mm. we did before. So um, I, can't, I can't think of that with my leadership team in a way that I haven't seen them interact. Uh, to be able to give them that contextual feedback. I can, however, see how um, circumstances create risks for employees if if there's been a management change, if somebody's resigned, if there's a gap and they have now a um, interim leader in place who's maybe not connected with the work they they do. I think it is 
really easy to lose someone quickly, right? Lose someone, what I mean is lose uh, their feeling of engagement, lose mm. their feeling of connectedness to the work if, they're, if they are not in a physical space and they don't have those forms to connect with people. So maybe it's, you know, less about, I think you're right, Paul, right? If you don't have those examples to give people, you can't give feedback. So you've got to make sure that you've got engagement happening in a way that you are interacting with, with people. And maybe that engagement and interaction is happening in different ways, but without that context, you don't, you don't have the example either in positive feedback or, or right. in a constructive scenario. Well, Howard, it's, it's probably doubly more so for you because a good portion of your team is presenting to clients, right? Presenting externally outside of an internal operational conversation. Mm -hmm. And therefore now you have less, not only less examples, probably no examples of actually mm -hmm. seeing them do what they do best. So how do you provide that feedback? Uh, it, it's really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, what I try to do is get them to present to me, mm. right? Um, I heard you did this thing. It sounds really interesting. Would you mind presenting it? I'd love to see it. Um, can you send over the deck? Can you present it? Can we talk through it? You know, what are the things that you found compelling? What are the triggers in the conversation that you found, right? Try to be thoughtful in the questions to, and, and elicit a, an equally thoughtful response. Um, and oftentimes if it doesn't work the first time or the second time, by the third time, they start to expect it and then look for, um, how do I ensure I have that answer? Which means I have to be a, a more thoughtful listener. I have to have a thoughtful example. I have to think through this a little bit more. Um, but, but all in all, I find the less in person, the harder it is to be a mentor, the harder it is to be a leader, right? When you, one of the cr most critical things about giving constructive feedback is um, not what happens in the feedback period, right? If we have a meeting and it's a one-on-one -on -one and I give you some, some constructive feedback, um, I can see how you take it there. But once you leave my office, right? When we were in person, I can also then see how your demeanor changes throughout the rest of the day in the office, throughout the next day in the office. And I don't have the ability to do that this way. And at least if you were in a different office from me, um, I might get feedback from somebody else. Hey, so-and-so is kind of bummed out today. Do you have any idea why they're bummed out? You might want to reach out, right? I, I don't have that ability. No one's wife has ever called me and said, hey, so-and-so's bummed out. Do you mind talking to him? 17-year-old calls you up. Right, right, right. And, and that assumes they have a spouse or children. Um, I'm really looking forward to someone's dog calling me up. That's going to be my favorite. But, yeah. right? but it means it, it actually makes it puts, puts more of the weight back on us because then we have to follow up to, to, to the constructive, right? We kind of almost have to schedule another meeting. Okay, so we talked the other day about this. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I'd really like to now hear from you now that you've had a chance to reflect, right? Um, did you understand? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Was I off base? Did I miss some piece of nuance? Did I miss some piece of context, right? How do we want to? phrase this moving forward just I, to I ensure that some great points right and it comes back to like how there's some things that happen in the physical world and when we think about being compassionate human beings the, all of those feedback sensors that we get in the physical world and seeing how somebody's demeanor is i, I think it's such an important thing and, and i think it's at the it's at our real root of how 
what's the back to that connection, right? The human connection and the compassionate, and we lead out of that space of, you know, intention for compassion. So if we don't have, it's easy to get when it's positive, right? I think it's, it's, um, or maybe the, it, it, maybe even the appearance of it is easy when the appearance is positive, but it's, it, you know, you might argue it's also easy to put on a facade for 60 minutes in a, in a virtual setting. And, and then we don't see how people react when they turn their cameras off. And we don't see if they're just really good at showing up for that brief period of time, but we don't then see how their, what their energy levels look like for the rest of the day. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's concerning. We talked about, you know, I use the example of what about an, an individual contributor who has an interim leader, but what about in the scenario you were saying, Howard, somebody who lives on their own right now, who doesn't have that support system. It's not just about their spouse calling to give us feedback, but they don't have that, um, you know, that support network that's physically with them, them either. Mm -hmm. So uh, those are all the cues that are really, really hard to take right now as we're trying to get a sense of where, not, where, not just where people's heads are at and how they're performing, but where their hearts are at when we can't, we can't see them. Yeah, I wrote a thing called The Death of the Tribe. Um, and it was really all about, we, we have replaced our tribe with work. Right. Right. It, it's yeah. often, if you were to create a Venn diagram of everyone you hang out with, right, um, recreationally and everyone you work with um, and you did that over time, I would imagine you'd see those two circles coming closer and closer together, forming more and more overlap, right? Um, you, you probably, you may not know all your neighbor's names, but you know everyone that sits near you in a cubicle. Right. Right. Um, and one of the challenges to work from home is all of a sudden we've shattered that tribe. We've shattered that work tribe. Um, and part of the value to a tribe is support without a doubt, right? Um, and when that is casual, especially in people that are um, closer and closer and closer to the, the Asperger's scale or the autism scale, right? Who don't get social cues easily, um, yeah. it becomes harder and harder and harder to reach out. And, and we're, again, we're not good at the active part. We're really good at the passive part. So it's easy to run into somebody in a hall in the hall and go, hey, you you feel different than you did yesterday? Something about your demeanor? Would you like to talk about it? Mm -hmm. Infinitely harder when we're all in a meeting, we're all supposed to be turned on, we put on a happy face, right? And we join the meeting. It's far harder to, to then go, mm, I picked up on a cue that was an eighth of a second from a person who wasn't speaking at the time, right? Um, and, and I think that makes all of it much harder. And as leaders, it really does fall on us to, to have a better understanding of our team and really kind of make a little extra effort and, and realize that, you know, part of a one-on-one, -on -one, part of a team meeting, part of mentoring is ensuring that your people are in decent mental health. And I say decent specifically because I'm not asking anyone to be a psychiatrist or psychologist. None of us are certified therapists. If you're a certified therapist, fantastic, have at it. Otherwise, just try to make sure to be a little extra human for lack of a better term. Yep, and knowing that there's an acceptable level of depression in these current times, right? It, the, we're not supposed to be equally happy as we were a year ago. We're supposed to have an impact on us and our family and our extended family. This is, this is okay and, and be comfortable with its okayness. Well, there's always a pendulum of happiness that we should be accepting, yeah. right? Even if we're in the office, even in the before times, it was never okay 
We're never supposed to expect everyone to be equally happy. It's a pendulum. But to your point, now that pendulum has become far wider. <laughs> right. Right. And, and what we really want to make sure people understand is the tribe still exists. The tribe is still here. We're just a little more disparate. And so how do we figure out ways to pull that tribe back together? So, so a great way you... is encourage oh, team members to talk to each other. Do you, and do you feel, do you find yourself leading with a bit more humility, a bit more vulnerability in these times than you did before? And, yeah. and if you do, would you, would you continue to embrace that in your management and your leadership style when we do get back to a place where we see people in person more than we used to? I would say 100%. I, I would say it's much more likely that I lead and communicate with far emotion than I did before. Uh, it's much more likely that I now appreciate that we're all in the same boat and therefore we're all likely feeling the same. Um, and I'm much more likely to take that going forward. That in another circumstance in five years from now, if in fact we're all back in an office, I will likely still maintain the, that, that theory, that, that working is between nine to five and we all go home and we all make dinner and we all feed the dogs. Like it's all things that we do. And that's our primary concern, not nine to five. And that should be sort of the emotional uh, consistency that, that we should go forward with. So I, I look at it slightly different. Um, I look at it much more like the Titanic has sunk <laughs> and we're all in different boats more than likely, mm. right? We were in all in the same boat. Now we're all in different boats. Um, but it still involves a lot more emotion, involves a lot more humility, and it involves a lot more outreach, mm -hmm. right? Because some people didn't get a boat. And so it's up to me then to reach out and help pull them into a boat. If I see him and I'm not the closest boat, it's up to me to point it out and say, hey, pull that guy, pull that girl, pull that person into your boat, right? Really make an extra effort. And, and I think it extends more than just to fellow employees, right? Um, mm -hmm. I've noticed it more in meetings, Right. Um, I've noticed more pauses away from business into um, the more personal to try to get some sort of connectivity just to other humans. Um, and and although, you know, I'm, I'm not generally the, the most um, smooth person with that sort of stuff, I find a lot of human interaction to be awkward. Um, I find it really comforting that, that we've gone the extra effort that we've become I would, like more human in all of our interactions rather than less human, even though we're faced with technology. And I think um, going forward, the best we can do is remember that none of that was a bad thing, right? Breaking out of the rigid structure that we had set up was a false dichotomy to begin with. And breaking out of it didn't cost us anything. And rather it made us better. It made us it made us more, not less. And so if we can maintain that moving forward, regardless of how the relationships, regardless of how the physicality changes, I think we're in a much better situation. Yeah, it would be a real shame, wouldn't it? If in you know years forward, we look back to just going back to the way things were and didn't take some of the gems that we learned in this. And I think those are the gems, right? We know it as leaders that humility, vulnerability, we know that makes a connection and it's, we find it's, you know, maybe not as easy to do as we think we would. And it seems kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Like showing up as human beings, <laughs> right? Shouldn't that be natural to us? But it's, it's easy to, you know, get focused on results and outcomes and busy days and, and pointed conversations and forget to take the time to ask people how each other are doing. 
and to share, you know, not just answering, okay, yeah, I'm good. But sometimes, and particularly as a leader, being able to share, yeah, today's just not as good a day. And, mm -hmm. and that that's okay too, right? And that, and, and that we can have, back to your point, Paul, that um, I actually think Howard, you made it as well in terms of being having decent mental health, that uh, it is not just about sharing all of the ups, it's also being able to be a bit vulnerable when uh, times are a bit more difficult. And, and demonstrating that we can get through those two or that you know those are the times we need to lean on people. Everybody wants to be needed and valued, right? And that kind of does go back to some of the management 101 and leadership 101 is that people enjoy contributing and showing value and they particularly enjoy it when they, fit, when they feel needed. So what a great opportunity to come back and bring those really personable attributes of humility and vulnerability and connection to the workplace. It's also important to really remember we're a team, all of us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just up to the, it's up to the leader to lead. It's not up to the leader to shoulder everything. Right. Remember that you're part of a team, talk to the whole team and make sure that we're all on the same page because you can't, the leader can't be the only one reaching out. The leader can't be the only one shouldering the good news and bad news, right? And do everything you can to set up as many of those active communication channels as possible so your team members start talking to each other, right? That's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Carlos. So, Monique, if you have one opportunity to get to someone, someone that is listening, that is saying, oh, this is good. And you could be doing a one-on-one -on -one with them to help them so they can move their team forward. What will be those last thoughts that you would like them to get from today's podcast? Oh, geez, you know what? We've talked about so many good things in this. And I, I think uh, the one thing I, I think I would say is bring it back to make the connection that you have as real as you can make it. And for whatever, whatever that means to you, what's the common connection you have? What's the interest that you have in what is going on with that person on that day uh, in the moment, but ask the questions and engage in that conversation. I, I truly believe that when we make that connection, the, then it, it makes all of the other conversations that we're gonna have with somebody feel more real and feel more connected. Well, my friends, there you have it. We have talked about how the different dimensions of communication, the influence, our planning, how things have changed, but at the same time, how, if we go back, we can apply some of those changes so we can continue to be better leaders. So as always, make sure that you share this podcast, subscribe if you're listening on our audio podcast or on our video podcast, and make sure to be listening to what we're coming out and bringing all our next episodes. My friends, we'll see you on our next episode.